As you may know, in the church on Sundays, the readings that we hear at Mass have a three-year cycle, so different one every, different cycle every three years. The really complicated theological titles for these year, years are year A, year B, and year C. So we're in year B, which is primarily focused on the Gospel of Mark on Sundays, but every year B, so every three years, there's this gift at this time of the year that we break into those with five consecutive Sundays hearing from the uniquely important sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. When the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, August 15th, falls on a Sunday, which it does this year, those readings supplant that. So we're gonna have four weeks from the sixth chapter of John. The reason the sixth chapter of John is so uniquely important is it most powerfully, as it goes on, reveals who Jesus is, a lot about how he fundamentally works in the world, not just 2,000 years ago, but until the end of time through the Holy Spirit, what he offers the world, how he challenges the world, and the breath of freedom with which people respond to Jesus. Again, not just off 2,000 years ago, but very much in our generation and every generation, including how few people actually do accept him when he lays out the truth of who he is and what he offers. So last Sunday, we heard from Mark, sixth chapter of Mark, the account of Jesus's miraculous multiplication of loaves and fish to feed a huge crowd of people. You may remember from last Sunday, this is the only miracle of Jesus that's reported in all four gospels. In terms of the number of people who experience this miracle, it's by far the biggest miracle of Jesus. So the first 15 verses of that sixth chapter of John are John's version of this same miracle. What I invite you to do this week is open up your Bible, click on our social media, just read and reread this passage, first 15 verses of John 6, and simply ask yourself, how do I, in the most straightforward way, you're not looking for any deep meaning, how does Jesus work here? How does he interact with people? And what are connections to how Jesus works today? How might I choose, or how do, or how might I choose to live my life very differently because this is the way Jesus works? Just what do you observe and what significance does it have? I will start you out with three brilliant observations that I pull from this to get you going this morning. But I can tell you from just reflecting on this passage myself during the past week, there are so many important details to observe. So observation number one. Jesus takes five barley loaves. I believe barley loaves in his time and place are the bread of economically poor people. It's less expensive than wheat loaves. Five just cheap barley loaves, two dried fish. He takes them and through the power that he uniquely has, he multiplies this food to feed an enormous crowd of thousands and thousands of people. It actually happens. This really took place in human history. It's not a made up story that some bizarre people started spreading 2000 years ago. It absolutely happens. For the people who witness it, it is astonishing. This has never taken place on this scale in human history and it's absolutely real. The people in the crowd, even this report from John, they recognize that only through God 
could this possibly take place? There's no human being, there's no parlor trick that can do this. God's power is completely breathing through Jesus into the straightforward need of this crowd of people. The need is they're hungry. God's power pumps through Jesus to produce this astonishing miracle. A Christian is a person who realizes over time that Jesus has the full power of the universe. Jesus alone, today through the Holy Spirit, alive 24-7 on this planet, doesn't have just some of God's power or occasionally God's power. He has the entire power of the universe because he is God. A Christian is a person who, once I understand that, with all the needs I have, I am meant to go to Jesus to work on those needs first and foremost. I go to Jesus in prayer. I go to Jesus when I come to the Eucharist. Hopefully you are bringing very consciously your needs and needs of the world to our celebration of this Eucharist so that he can breathe into us with our needs. We bring our needs to his teaching. We try to know through the teaching of the church and the scripture, what would he have us do in the midst of these needs? We bring our needs to him collectively as fellow Christians. Big needs like world hunger, like national political turmoil, like racial injustice, like inner city education in Lawrence, Massachusetts, like the mess of my marriage, like the hopelessness and the anger and the fear I have about myself. A Christian is a person who realizes Jesus has the full power of God, of the universe. I bring these needs to him and I see how he can transform them. I can go in a lot of different direc directions with all those needs. I can go nowhere with all those needs. A Christian is someone who brings all needs first and foremost and permanently to Jesus. Second observation, when Jesus performs this miracle, he does big stuff. Jesus does a lot of one-on-one -on -one transforming of individuals. He heals people, he expels demons, he brings about personal conversion. All of it is absolutely important. But he also does really big things. The scripture says in John's version, there are 5,000 men there. So traditionally people will say, if you just have one, the size of that crowd, if there were one woman and one child with each of those men, that would be 15,000 people in that crowd. There are probably 10 to 20,000 people in the crowd that Jesus feeds through his power from five loaves and two dried fish. He does very big transformation to address really big needs. I benefit from being reminded of that. I have made such a mess of my life and I have done it for such a long time and I have really damaged myself. Do I feel that Jesus could fix me? I don't, but he can. My marriage has been such a mess for such a long time I hate my wife. I honestly hate my wife. Our problems are so huge, it feels to me that Jesus could never bring us to healing. He can. The social disorder 
and the educational deficit that the children of this city bring to the classroom is so huge that I can feel this is way too big for Jesus to actually transform them. It's not too big. There is nothing too big for Jesus to transform. There is no need that is too big for him to transform. That really is important to remember. Third observation and final observation is Jesus in that miracle takes what is very small and apparently very insignificant and through it he produces something that's overly abundant. All four Gospels emphasize five loaves, two fish. It's interesting because the Gospels, as you know, are not in any way, shape, or form scientific histories. So when the details are the same in all of them, I mean, the, the details of Jesus' birth are not the same in the different Gospels. When the details are exactly the same, they probably have some significance. So I don't definitively know the significance here, but I know that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus makes sure his disciples know exactly what's on hand, five loaves, two fish. In this one, Andrew points out exactly what's on hand, five loaves, two fish. And Andrew says, but what use are those? Because the crowd is so huge. Jesus takes what is very small and very apparently insignificant, and he uses that to bring about what is so huge. That's the way he mostly works. Jesus does not enter into a messed up marriage and people wake up overnight and things are okay. That would be to deny human freedom. Jesus does not pop into a city and provide food for everyone. That would be ridiculous. That also denies human freedom. When people make the choice to recognize the little they have in the midst of their big need and they allow Jesus to use it, that's how he works. A couple who are absolutely hateful toward one another, whether it's a married couple or any two people in a relationship, who eventually do experience reconciliation, it's because they accept that we both at least would allow someone else to help us. With that, Jesus works. Nations that are at war with one another, that ultimately are at peace, it's when leaders who hate one another recognize their openness to at least speak to one another. It's with that that Jesus works. The Olympics are being held in Tokyo, Japan. Not little Tokyo in LA, Tokyo, Japan. Do you know where Tokyo, Japan and the United States and the rest of the world were two generations ago? But some people chose to be open to speaking. A city in which 75% of children at any given time are at risk for hunger, ultimately finds a faith community that serves 250,000 meals a year quite smoothly because just a couple of its members say, well, we do have an empty parking lot, but what good is that? Turns out it's very good. That's the reality 
through which Jesus works to bring about big change. So a Christian is somebody who should have high in his or her consciousness that the way he does the big addressing of big needs is through very little most of the time. So I invite you to consider that this week. To repeat, many of you are way ahead of me on this. Just what details do you observe about how Jesus works in those first 15 verses of John 6, and what's the connection to how you might choose to orient yourself, and we might, to him this week. Final note, if you do that and you find, I really don't understand Jesus, I don't know much about Jesus, and I'm not getting that much out of this, just stick with him. In that passage, people do recognize that God's power is working through Jesus, but the crowd does not yet understand him. They think he should be a king in a certain way. They're absolutely wrong, and he withdraws so that they don't carry him off. If you find, I don't necessarily understand much about him, but you're still engaged, you may not be in a very bad place at all. A big thing we'll see coming up in John 6 is sticking with Jesus is the critical choice for people who don't yet understand him. As this chapter progresses, this huge crowd that wants to proclaim him king because they've been fed, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller the more he tells them about himself. The ones who stick around, who stick with Jesus, find salvation.